And if we get really clear on why did I buy this stuff? What was I needing? Oh, I really needed more love for my partner. That might lead into a conversation about intimacy. Oh, I really needed to have a healed relationship with my father or my grandparent or my whatever. And just allow those, the things that you've surrounded yourself with to be teachers of sorts as you're entering into motherhood or parenthood even, um, so that you're, you're kind of clearing out these cobwebs in making space internally in the same way that we prioritize making space externally. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hi friends, I am so excited to continue this amazing conversation with Takesha August. If you missed part one of this episode, check out episode 6A. This is episode 6B. We're going to be continuing chatting all about um, pregnancy and ways to really prepare yourself for postpartum. We're getting into the deep stuff and, you know, talking all about community and I'm really, really pumped to continue this conversation. So let's get right to it. You know, something else that you you mentioned is, you know, community and motherhood, right? Is Mm -hmm. who's your kind of that village and who who you have around you. What do you find or how do you find that? How do you find that impact of community with uh, with your with your moms? Yeah. So if we go back to the analogy of like, you know, birth and mothering as in, in correlation to life in general. So like that, what they are now calling the fifth trimester of, you know, when a woman might be returning back to work or returning back to some other element of life in addition to mothering. Yeah. And um, how important it is if you're in a work environment, you can be excited about this new job, but your experience will be even more joyful um, or feel more fruitful if you have a mentor or you have a good team of people that you're working with so that you don't feel like you've now you're now in this new place that should be exciting but it's exhausting to have to figure out how to do all the things and teach yourself how to do all the things and also regulate whether or not you're taking enough breaks for lunch and how to gauge your communication with people. And so the larger, um, not necessarily larger, but the more um, effective of a support system a new mother has, um, whether that be a really in-tuned romantic partner who is just like, hands-on in their understanding what what needs to be done and and when those people are that way the mother tends to communicate her needs more effectively which which is why that goes back to why it's important for me to meet the partner because Mm. I can tend to gauge like oh this is a partner who's a little detached from this experience or they're too busy like they've got a you know like for instance my partner wasn't available. He was in the military, he was deployed. And then when he was here, he was, he's a you know police officer. So he worked, you know, six, seven days a week, just like always gone. So if my birth team was like, oh, well, he's now got to be present. Like, that's just not 
that it's wasn't possible. That wasn't yeah. realistic. Yeah. Um, and so when I get a feel for who is their support system, oh, is your mom coming down? Who lives here? You know, do you have friends close by? In this area, there are a lot of transient people. So a lot of people, you know, in military, military families. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes within their communities, they, you know, forge a a community of other mothers or other women who are also military spouses. Um, And it's just, it really, it really allows the new mother to settle into her healing. Now, I don't focus a whole lot on the baby. The mother will just naturally focus on the baby. Exactly. So yeah. for instance, when I show up to someone's house for like a postnatal visit, yeah. um, I'm not there to like hold their baby for them. I'm there to make sure the mother feels seen and heard. We process her birth story. You know, how supported do you feel for the people that I work with, you know, in person, um, for the people that I work with virtually? It's similar, but of course it's virtual. Yeah. Um, but with those people in person, I have the opportunity to put my hands on them if necessary. I might massage their feet and kind of connect with them. I might bring them you know, something to eat or a snack or teas or whatever that might be supportive to them. And I have an opportunity to you know, look at their environment. Does it look like she feels supported? Does, is her cup of water full? Has mm. she eaten breakfast? Has she eaten lunch? Is she like, it's her tummy growling when we're talking where I can kind of take in those, <laughs> those um, details yeah. because sometimes the people around them even will take better to someone on the outside of the mother telling them that she needs support because yes. what tends to happen is women are so strong and we ha- we're really great at looking like we've got it together, like how you said, like being yeah. on the train. Like you yeah. look like, oh yeah, she looks like she's carrying that extra fifty pounds of weight. Great. <laughs> like, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, someone <laughs> just let me sit down. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, it's hard for people to see us outside of who we were before, which is why a lot of women are trying to hurry back to that place right. so that we can kind of, um, like not force the people around us to have to think differently about who we are now right. in this new stage. It's kind of like another form of people pleasing, like, oh, everyone's is, expecting yeah. me to be this old version. So let me hurry up and get back to her, whoever that is, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just in in helping them to establish who's going to be your support early on if she's pregnant and we're talking about it, who ideally would be a good support. And when they say, you know, I think I'm going to be fine. Nope, we're not no. going to, we're not going to assume that we're going to do this alone. Okay. So if you don't have family support, are there, is there a community around you? If they are, you know, native to where I am, you know, there are people that I can connect them with, other birthing people, you know, I can hold circles for them in person. For the people online, we have virtual experiences like, okay, you don't have any friends, you know, because sometimes it's just a matter of just connecting with other people and hearing their stories and, you know, them saying, feeling alone, you're not feeling alone. So that if we do need to organize a meal train for you so that you are fed, because that is so important, whether you're nursing or not, you need to be fed so that your body can heal, so that your mind can stay clear and you can rest and all of that, Um, you know, and and maybe support around like, do you feel supported by your romantic partner if there is one present? If not, here are some other resources. How does your body feel? Oh my gosh, I feel like, you know, it's been so many months postpartum. I feel like my parts are falling out. Okay, well, here's a referral. Have you considered talking to, you know, a pelvic floor physical therapist or have you, you know, like kind of knowing how to um, help them craft a support system 
so that it's not a, a tra- it doesn't have to be this traditional thing. Like I didn't have a mother to show up and like help me for weeks. Right. Like I assumed that that's just what was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But when I didn't have it, I was like, oh shit, I'm like I'm by myself. I have nobody, and yeah. as a result. I suffered for it until I realized like I can ask for help. And I realized I had friends up the road and I told them, hey, you know, I haven't, I'm not really quite sure what I'm supposed to be eating as a new mom. And like, because of that, I'm not eating. And Mm -hmm. I had friends that would show up with like plates of food. I had a friend, she was like, you know what, say less. And she showed up at my door with a, like a huge lasagna. And I cried because I didn't know that I could ask for that help. I didn't know that I could ask for someone else to feed me. I thought I had to figure it out myself. I thought I had to like muscle through it. Like I'm so exhausted. My body hurts. This baby won't stop crying. I've got to figure out how to produce enough milk. Oh, and when am I going to eat to get enough calories to keep producing enough or having enough energy to mother? Um, And you know the importance then too to eat quote unquote healthily and then there's even more pressure when you're like I I don't know what to eat and you know should I get takeout it's not healthy you know so I really resonate with that because I had my mom I had my family close by but I didn't receive the help that they were able to offer because I was think I thought I had to do it all on my own Mm -hmm. you know and so that's the other part is like if you have help it takes practice learning to ask and learning yeah. to accept for accept the help because we as you know strong independent women often think because we see it in other people that they're doing it by themselves but they're not people who are successful people who are seemingly you know doing really well postpartum have the help whether they're sharing publicly or not they if they're not if they don't have family they have like you said they have close friends um, they may pay for a meal train they may have supports that you don't have so please don't compare uh, and know that it takes time and practice to to ask for that help food is the one thing that I will say is the the most helpful yeah food for sure. bring food to a new mom because yeah. she needs to eat and she's probably not eating enough or as regularly as she should be uh, especially if her partner is back at work or if she doesn't have a partner it's you know yeah my experience my second time my partner was at home it's a world of difference yeah he made every meal made sure I was eating and my mom was there to help too like it you know you need like a team of people to take care of you because you're right I can take care of the baby myself but if I'm not being taken care of as the you know postpartum mother um both I struggle and suffer and so does the baby right because the the mother's demeanor and energy is going to rub off on that baby and absolutely um, you need that time to connect and if you're so preoccupied with something as simple as eating eating then you can't fully connect and then you can start to feel resentful and then what may have been baby blues might turn into something deeper and heavier and you know it it can become a really it become a very big deal um, and so I don't want people, you know, there's, there's so much shame around like, oh, you know, a lot of times people say when you say postpartum, they think postpartum is the same as postpartum depression. It is not. Postpartum mm-hmm. is the time after you've had a baby. Yeah. Just that season, um, which actually lasts forever because you're always which post. I was going to say, it kind of <laughs> lasts forever. And I it's think like that. forever. Well, 
well, it's this thing like, oh, I'm postpartum, so I'm supposed to look this way. But once I'm beyond postpartum, I'm not supposed to look like a mom anymore. I'm supposed to look like I did before. But it's like, what is the definition of postpartum? And what is your expectation going into motherhood? Because I think that we all go into motherhood with terrible expectations, first of all. Mm -hmm. We assume our babies will sleep through the night. They'll put themselves to sleep. They'll feed only exactly on schedule. And maybe there's like a handful of babies that do 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 that but that's not the norm and I think that when we set ourselves up for these expectations we are setting ourselves up for failure and I love that the work that you're doing during pregnancy kind of prepares that mother for that big change that's coming um because there's no there's no preparation otherwise you know just like a job you would go to university to study this career and Mm -hmm. then you would be you know, working a job that's somewhat in line with that, you know, that education that you've had. And it's still a transition when you start a new job, even if you've studied that. Like I'm a physiotherapist. I went to, um, you know, I had my bachelor's and I did my master's in physiotherapy. And when I started my first job, it was still a transition. But with motherhood, there's no years of education that you have studying it. Um, and they don't give you a manual. They like, don't give you a manual. Even, there's nothing. nothing. And people assume that, oh, yeah, I have parents. I should know how to parent then. But you may not want to parent the way you were parented. I I don't. And so you're relearning everything or not relearning. You're learning everything for the first first time. And it's nice to feel supported through that. And I love that there are people like you who are there to support um, birthing people. Because, you know, we, we hear of doulas. And I think that there is a different... There's very different types of doulas, right? There are, yeah. I think doulas in general will always be there to support you. Mm-hmm. But if you, I love that the work that you're doing also kind of ties in that experience that you have with, like you said, publishing and, uh, you know, that American Psychological Association. Mm-hmm. So those experiences tie into what you do now too, yeah. which is really, really cool. Um, and with community and motherhood, what you had said about, you know, building having people that you can talk to and ask for help. You know, one thing that I tell all of my pregnant mamas is that your community will change. What you're expecting may not be the same as what you receive. Yeah. Um, your friendships will change because Absolutely. you will change. You will <laughs> yeah. change and you, you should change because you're, you have this huge, immense, you know, change in your life. Listen, you say you send a few no's for party invitations and weddings. Yes early on, then you start to notice you don't get as many invitations. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But then you, like you said, you establish new friendships that might make a little more sense for the season of life you're in. And that's also okay. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you don't, those old friendships were bad. No. It just means it's a different season. And it took me a long time to accept that because I'm a very sensitive person and I didn't realize how much I was that group, that person in my group of friends who organized get-togethers and, you know, did meetups. And now I was the first person to have a baby and all of my single friends, you know, I didn't get invites anymore. And they came to visit once and it was like, all right, like, are you going to come back or like, can we meet up? And it it wasn't as fun for them because why would it be because they're not in that life stage but it kind of felt like I think I wish that somebody had kind of mentally prepared me for that change because none of my mom friends had talked about it and most of my mom friends were out of the city 
all of my friends in the city were most of them were not um, not with kids so yeah I had to decline weddings we did go to some weddings with our, with our baby but I had to decline so many social things um, because they were always in the evenings after bedtime and just recognizing that your lifestyle is going to look different um, especially in the short term until your kids are older and you may embrace new friendships and yeah. I think that's important and that's good and you embrace an earlier bedtime. <laughs> like, I know. That's one thing that I, I learned to embrace. Like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better now that I fell asleep on accident at 8.30 <laughs> in the evening. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, yes, kids are in bed. I can stay up till 2 getting yeah. stuff, you know, getting my own Every once stuff. in a while I do that and binge watch something on Netflix. And oh, then, I did that two like, nights like ago and moms, I regret it. Love working moms. So I binge watch that when it comes out, when a new season comes out. And then yeah. – you know, that's my binge for the season. <laughs> yeah, once in a while it's good, but it's so true. Embracing like our kids sleep 11, 10 to 12 hours a night. And that's why they have all the energy to run around all day. Like yeah. if we're sleeping five hours as a postpartum person with interruptions, maybe three hours, four hours, you're going to be tired. And there's nothing wrong with you because you're tired. That's yeah. that's normal. So honoring that, like don't do the extra work of cleaning and cooking. Ask yeah. for help. You know, and I hope that whoever you are, you have the help. And I think that most, many people now have help, but they're not, um, there's that ego, right? Like I should be able to do this by myself. Yeah. And, you know, we're saying you shouldn't, you, you don't have to do this by yourself. Yeah. There well, is community. And I, I tell people more so than trying to rationalize how they feel like, oh, but I feel good. And I say, well, think of future version of you. Because mm. future version, if you don't honor where your body is now, these early days postpartum, future you might have urinary incontinence, might have, you know, some difficulty enjoying sex, you know, later on, like give yourself the space to heal, even if you can't see or feel that you're like not right. feeling at your best. Like you might have so much energy, like, oh no, my body feels great. Even, especially my moms that have incredible birth experiences. They're like, oh, I feel awesome. I didn't tear or like a very minor tear. I feel great. I can go home and climb stairs. Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> that's how I that's how I was after my um my both of mine, but my second, I was like, I feel really good. Uh, and I remember going to the park with my kids at four days postpartum and I like put on makeup. I wanted to take some family photos with my newborn. He just looks like a bundle because it's it was too cold to actually see his face. But <laughs> I stood for about 45 minutes and I got home and I was in pain and I didn't have any pain till then. And after yeah. that, for two days, I was like, oh my God, excruciating tailbone pain. Yeah. Because I, as a physio, as a postpartum coach, I should know better, but I didn't because we are such terrible judges of ourselves. Yeah. We have zero perspective. We we always think we're better than we are. So it helps to have someone tell you, no, don't do this, even if you feel good. Yeah. And just trust that wisdom because there's no harm done in waiting an extra two days or an extra week or an extra few weeks. But there could be harm done um, in waiting or in not waiting. So for me, fortunately, it was just two days of pain. But it really felt terrible because when it's in your tailbone you can't sit properly and you've got a nurse and you you know usually you're sitting so luckily it was my second I was able to master you know sideline nursing but with my first if that had happened it would have been a terrible experience so um 
and there's a lot of adrenaline too early postpartum it kind of like that energy and that excitement you're still it hasn't worn off yet yeah so let that wear off and you know even months postpartum I catch myself overdoing it sometimes and I have to really step back and be like yeah that wasn't the best decision so okay next time you know don't do that right yeah Okay, so I have a couple other questions about your work and you tell me, can you tell me some other aspects of birth prep that you find helpful? Because you mentioned, you know, that journaling, that inner work, um, of course, learning how to breathe during, you know, labor and childbirth. Um, I think really working on your relationship, if you have a romantic partner, working on communication Mm. and getting really clear on what boundaries look like to each person. Um, even if it's as simple as, you know, what will happen in the first minutes after our baby is born? Will you call everyone in your family? Will, will you be FaceTiming everyone while I'm still open and being stitched up? What like what are we going to do? And like really having those very clear conversations about what you imagine your golden hour to look like, which is the time immediately following birth, um, what it looks like, what ideally you as the birthing person need to feel as supported postpartum Mm -hmm. um, or even what kind of environment you want to birth your baby in. It can all just kind of be these high level conversations at first, um, but just so that it's on the radar of the other person or your mother or any other support person around you. Because a lot of times, especially our mothers, you know, they, they might feel like, oh, well, I need to be the first person to know when this baby's here and I'm going to be the first one at your house and I'm going to be like, you might decide, I really want a cocoon. I really want yeah. to like just be in a dark room with me and my baby for the first three days. Or I want to be surrounded by all 500 people of my family immediately <laughs> because that's just what lights me up. Like just to communicate very clearly what your connection style is, what your communication style is, um, and how best the people around you can support you, even if you don't have the words to ask for that support. Mm. Um And then also to prepare your environment. So a lot of times people get really preoccupied with like the stuff of having a baby, like the cribs and the boppies and the this and the like all the things. Um, And one of the one of the aspects that ties us to like our past and our traumas and our wounds is the stuff in our house. And so sometimes what I recommend is that they work with um, an interior um, like design consultant or even just do their own work, like read, you know, the KonMari book or something like do some kind of work to um, start releasing things, releasing physical things from your home um, from a soul level, not just like, oh, we're just trying to clear space for the baby, Hmm. but really, you know, establish what is your relationship to the stuff that you have? You know, what relationship to stuff do you want to have going forward? Because we all know that it's really about more than the stuff. And if we get really clear on why did I buy this stuff? What was I needing? Oh, I really needed more love for my partner. That might lead into a conversation about intimacy. Oh, I really needed to have a healed relationship with my father or my grandparent or my whatever. And just allow those, the things that you've surrounded yourself with to be teachers of sorts as you're entering into motherhood or parenthood even. Mm. Um, so that you're you're kind of clearing out these cobwebs and making space internally in the same way that we prioritize making space externally so that you have space to decide what kind of parent do I want to be? 
What kind of mother do I want to be? What kind of partner, if that's relevant, do I want to be while I'm also parenting? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people get overwhelmed because they're thinking about all this at the same time when a baby's arriving because they hadn't thought about it before. Right. So I just introduced these additional conversations as they're preparing to enter into parenthood mm-hmm. um, and, and give them permission to have these conversations with people and also provide, um, you know, a fall guy. Like if you need to blame it on me, like, to like, well, Takesha said that I need to talk about whatever. I'm fine with that. Blame it on me. Tell everybody that I said it. It's fine. Like creating boundaries for yourself, determining what your work week will look like when you go back to work. Right. Um, just kind of mapping out a, a, a success plan for yourself so that oh, when I love you're that. Yeah. So that when you're in the trenches of parenthood, you're not trying to go back, right? That yeah, quote unquote. Navigate all that. Yeah. You're trying to go back to working 50 hours a week when now you're like up all night. So you might need to have new conversations with your employers if that's relevant to you about what it's going to look like postpartum potentially after having, because a lot of, especially if it's your first kid, you have no idea, but that's why I kind of have these conversations. Like, listen, it's not going to be the same. And the more you try to push through and be like, oh, I can still show up. You know, I I have a friend who was an attorney and she tried her best to show up, you know, 110% for her same job, but she had a set of twins in the NICU and she, her mind just what she could not fit, like literally could not. That's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. She could not separate that in the way that her firm expected her to. And she had to make a different choice because her priority shifted in a way that she had not anticipated. So we just have those important conversations in addition to like how to prepare your pelvic floor and what to eat and how to prep your your cabinet and your pantry and your refrigerator and all those logistical things. Um, But these uh, scaffolding conversations about what your support will look like what your environment needs to feel like in order for you to step into parenting the way that you desire and how to have those difficult conversations if necessary with your parents, your loved ones, your siblings, whoever is going to be impacting you and your baby um, so that you, you feel like you're, you're the one, you know, holding the ball, so to speak, so that you're not kind of falling into this, like, I need to please everyone while I'm also trying to figure out how to parent my new baby. That, um, I think that's the that's crucial work. I think that is so missed in like ninety nine point nine percent of pregnancies, and that's the crucial conversations that need to happen. Uh, and for someone who's pregnant, it can be overwhelming because you're like, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this. But really, do you have to do a lot of that, like shopping for cribs? Your baby's not sleeping in that crib right away. Like, there's so many things that can wait that we I spent like days of my life looking at the perfect butt wiping cloth and this and that, you know, and it was a waste of time because ultimately it doesn't matter as much as all of this stuff, the communication. Like I remember these are conversations and sometimes it's these conversations you don't know that you even need to have because you haven't experienced postpartum. So that's why working with someone like you who's a coach is going to help you because you know, you know exactly what is going to need to happen. And so it's someone to introduce to you like these ideas of like this this is what postpartum can look like. You know, I had a home birth and with my first, but both of mine, my first, my uncle, like 75 year old uncle was in from out of town. He had just flown back from, he lives in New York. He flowed back from India and uh, 
the week before. And I was like, hey, he was on an international flight. Who knows what germs he could pick up? He's not coming to visit my brand new baby. I don't want my old uncle here anyways. I'm like, don't want to put on clothes because, you know, my nipples are sore. Everything's sore. I just want to be like by myself. And he got so angry that he was in town and he wasn't allowed to meet the baby that he stopped talking to us. This is like an older man. And I right away I was like that's not my problem that's yours but my parents felt so much pressure because it was the elder in the family and we disrespected him and they put so much pressure on me to apologize and I'm like I don't need to be navigating this as a new mom like this is not my my problem this is yeah and I I, it was still stressful even though I said like no because I think I hadn't had those conversations with my parents and said like this is your family business you deal with it don't introduce this to me. And every time, you know, somebody wanted to call and congratulate me, they were like, when can we not, you know, have this conversation? I'm like, hey, you take the congrats and just let me know. I don't need to have billions of conversations with people I've met once, like extended family and whatnot. And it's not a rush. Like, you know, yes, congratulations are great. But the person who, you know, I want to get to know is my new baby. Uh, I don't need to be introducing this brand new human to anybody else. And so... I really, and again, I I didn't know. I didn't anticipate all of these things. I didn't anticipate how difficult it would be. Um, And I know one of my friends, you know, she had her mom who was not supportive at all at her birth. And her mother, you know, doesn't like her husband. So there was this animosity between them in the birthing room. And that's not what you need. And of course, her birth outcomes were probably affected by that. You know, Uh, your pelvic floor is not going to stay loose when there's tension in the the environment. (laughs) You know, yeah, just open up. And, you know, so it's. There's so many layers that I think I love this conversation because it's it's the important work that needs to happen. And I think what you're doing is amazing work to help coach and prepare these women for these mothers to be for successful experiences postpartum. Um, and also if something happens, they're more prepared for that, you know, challenging experience versus if you're going into it with zero preparation, zero kind of groundwork laid down. Um do you have any programs, workshops that are coming up that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So um, this fall, I will be launching a virtual version of my um, 12-week birth prep circle. Um, but that's where we will do like the deeper work. Um, and it's it's 12 weeks of live weekly coaching um, to prepare you not only for the logistics of birth, um, and how to prep, like we said, like the pantry and all of that, but to really get deeper on, um, you know, epigenetics and your family story and the story you want to write and create and communication with your partner and your relationship with your body. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then in the meantime, I actually have a workshop that um, I would love to offer your listeners for free. Um, it's called Healing the Mother Wound, and it's about the, the relationship of epigenetics um, and your womb. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So I invite uh, all of you listeners to, you know, enjoy that conversation. Um, and in it, there are some helpful practice tools to kind of um, help you facilitate your own healing process, um, whether you are pregnant or not. But it is most useful if you are, you know, journeying into pregnancy or are currently pregnant to kind of um, bring these practices into your daily life. 
Amazing. So that workshop is called Healing the Mother Wound, and I will add that to the show notes as well. And do you have a name for your um, your 12-week program in the fall? Yeah, yeah it's called Root and Bloom. Um, beautiful. So yeah, and and it really is a focus on community and that conscious education as you enter into um, motherhood for the first, second, third, or fifteenth time. <laughs> so, bless you if it's fifteen. Oh my oh, goodness! Bless you and your womb. Um, I know. So yeah, I'm really excited to be offering that online for the first time, um, and I, I just know it's going to be incredible. Um, because it's definitely something that I feel will will be incredibly transformative. And I really want um, women and their support system to walk into the new phase of their village's life um, with the most confidence and, you know, with these birthing people to feel the most supported um, during a crucial time that they will never forget in their life. It sounds magical. I wish I had that when I um, had my babies because that's the the work that I kind of wish that I did that I'm doing now which it's never too late to do the work um, but if you are able to do it during your pregnancy I'm definitely going to be um, sharing a link for that when you have it because I I can't imagine anything that would be more important during your postpartum you know any preparation that would be more important um, another thing I think a lot of listeners you know pregnant people have is fear so much fear and I think a lot of that fear can be related to past traumas whether personally or you know intergenerational traumas um, and fears that are put on you externally by society because of you or you know your body or your your skin color and I think processing all that and releasing some of that during your pregnancy can really take a huge load off Um, a load that you don't need to be carrying, you know, and I, uh, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for that program. I think online too, my experience with online is, is just as powerful as in person. Um, you know, you, you have, we've, we've kind of grown to be a society that's okay with online. And I love that because it connects people from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Uh, and you're able to have these conversations with people who are so similar to you maybe, but you never would have met otherwise if you were just stuck to your local bubble. Amazing. So let's move on to our final thoughts. And I have some questions for you. Um, what is your favorite book or, and or po- podcast? Mm, um, um, so I love anything by Bell Hooks. And most recently, I was reading, oh, so the Afro Minimalist Guide to Living with Less that is currently on my bookstand. And I love it because it talks about, you know, I'm not a minimalist, but I, I've uh, played with it from time to time. Um, but it really talks about the, our emotional connections to our things so that when we're releasing things, we understand why we even had them in the first place. Mm. Um, and I'm really loving the experience of reading that book. Um, let's see another book that I love. So I, I've been reading through, um, a book called the transformation, uh, or transformed at birth. And I mean, it's kind of one of my nerdy picks, but I just, (laughs) I, (laughs) I love reading about like how just the mechanics of birth, um, can really awaken so many people and what it does to your whole makeup as a human. Um, so yeah, those are the, those are the things that I'm currently flipping through that I love. Nice. 
um, and podcasts. So, of course, I love uh, Dr. Maestro's podcast. Yeah. I, I call her my cousin. <laughs> um, we're not actually cousins, but I call her my cousin. Um, and her her podcast. And also, I've really been listening to a lot more of like Super Soul Sunday um, podcasts that aren't business related because I felt like I was I was kind of like binging on so many businessy yeah. things and I was getting a little overwhelmed. So yeah, yeah Super Soul Sunday, the podcast. Um, and I actually just started listening to Glennon Doyle's new podcast. Oh, I think, what is it called? We Can Do Hard Things. We Can something. Do Hard Things, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding that to be pretty interesting too. So nice. those three. I love that because I think we get so caught up doing whatever we're doing. So if you're pregnant, you're, everything you're reading is pregnancy. So it's also important to step away from that and yeah. listen to things that just bring you joy or exactly. that interest you. Exactly. Um, so what are three things that you try to do for yourself every single day? Every day. Um, so I, I practice Ayurveda for myself. So I have some Ayurvedic rituals. So like Abhyanga is a practice that I do literally every day. So essentially body oiling. I do like my, um, use my neti pot every day, my tongue scraping, all that kind of stuff. So um, those are the things that like, if I start my day with those practices, I feel like I'm, I'm living for myself. Amazing. Um, yeah. Um, and then of course, some kind of movement practice. If it's not yoga, I dance. My kid and I have dance parties in the kitchen all the time. Um, and then having a kid at home for, you know, over a year, you have to get creative and figure out ways to like, get him all, you know, worked up and tired so he can maybe sit still for a little while. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And just having time, I one thing I've started doing the last six months that I realized was so necessary is, is scheduling time just to think. Because Mm -hmm. I am a thinker, and I am a creative. And I found that I became, I, I started like, procrastinate scrolling through like yes. Instagram like why am I like like my brain just needed to check out so I'm like let me just schedule time on my calendar where this is where I just sit I sit and I look out my window or maybe I sit and scroll or maybe I sit and write something so that I don't feel guilty about that time it's like right. time that I have for myself to just like check out for a minute yeah um, and those are usually the times where I get pretty good ideas or I feel Mm. a little rejuvenated or that might be a time where I'm like, gosh, I am feeling really tired. I might do like a yoga nidra practice or something. I love Tracy Stanley and her work. So I might listen to like a 20 minute yoga nidra. Um, So yeah, those are definitely my things. Um, So what's something that you've been into lately that you're, you've been passionate about? So one thing that I've been really into is learning new recipes so I oh, found that I was cool. getting kind of bored <laughs> with cooking the same things. And I know I'm not alone when I say I gained quite a bit of COVID weight. Yeah. Um, and not from a place of like, oh, it's fine. But it from a place of, oh, this doesn't feel comfortable in my body. And I'm, yeah. I know that I've been eating a lot of stuff that isn't the best. So I've been exploring like some new recipes and finding, you know, finding different produce that I don't normally buy and going to the co-op and the farmer's market and just trying to diversify my palate a little bit nice. um, and making it fun. And um, watercolor. So I've been, Ooh. I, yeah, I've added uh, watercolor painting to like my journaling time in the morning. So 
Um, you can't see it here. And of course you can't see it if you're listening, but like, I've got like my little altar space in my office. And so I've, I've made a little space for like some watercolor palettes and a watercolor journal. So if I get up and I'm doing like my uh, morning pages is another thing that I do not daily, but I do it pretty regularly. Um, and so if I feel like, I don't really feel like journaling, I'll just like paint a page and like with whatever colors, no agenda, just kind of getting some art out of my body um, because creativity that, flow. Yeah. Because so like that creative energy is very, uh, very likened to like that womb energy, that creative center um, uh, energy, that creator self. So I realized that I hadn't really been doing a whole lot of just create creating things for the sake of creating. Um, so bringing that back in just really brought in some more play into my morning and just kind of help things to feel lighter. Cause I was starting to take myself and life way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anytime that happens, I, I get into that too, where I'm like, wait, 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 like back up a little bit and like see the big picture. Right. Cause when we get so into the details, we kind of miss the like big picture, which totally. is light and fun. And, um, we need to make time for that too. Amazing. So how can our listeners reach you with any questions or comments? Um, what's the best way? Yeah. So I hang out on, on Instagram all day. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> And what's your, ta- what's your uh, handle? So they can reach me at Takesha August or at MomKind, either one. Um, they're just a toggle away from each other. Um, so if you have questions, you can DM me. I'm mostly on at Takesha August. That's where I spend the most time and where you'll probably see the most of my stories and behind the scenes stuff. Um, or you can also email me at hello at Um, and happy to, you know, answer questions or get you scheduled for, you know, a free discovery call. We kind of just chat for about 15 minutes um, and determine whether or not I can support you uh, through whatever season of your uh, pregnancy or motherhood journey that you are on. Amazing. So I will share all of those links as well in the show notes. Uh, And one final question to Keisha, what would you say is your mom's strength? My mom's strength I'd say is, well, I would, years ago I would have said, oh, I'm so patient. (laughs) But one thing that I've learned is that patience has levels. So while I, I do still feel very patient, I, I'm very proud of um, the fact that I give my kid a lot of space to be himself. Um, and considering like my own story, like how would I, how did I want to be, he's seven now. So always considering how, how did I want to be loved at seven? How did I want to be seen at seven? Um, because if you, if you don't try to empathize or understand that developmental stage as an adult a seven-year-old can be very annoying like they mm. ask lots of questions they, like my kid talks non-stop um <laughs> he's so into the things that he's into and wants me to be into it and he's an only child and so I'm it all day yeah and so when I reconnect with okay who was I at seven I was also very curious I was also very inquisitive I talked a whole lot um and so just remembering who I was at that stage and allowing my younger self to inform how I mother him, um, I feel like is my strength. Wow. That's a huge strength, that ability to um, pause and kind of introspect and be like, okay, what did I, what would I I have needed at that age? Um, And that's something that I, 
often forget is like what would I have needed as a toddler and what did I not receive that I can now gift my kids Um, because you're right kids you know that kids any age I think people any age can be annoying (laughs) adults can be annoying and if we're if we're parenting from a state or, or a point of view of like they should be like me like an adult but they're still a child and a child's brain still developing uh and we need to be treating them as such so i love that that is wonderful uh thank you so much to keisha for spending your time with us and for gifting us with all of your knowledge and your experience uh and the way that you help support uh moms to be and moms uh birthing people and i'm really really excited to share this with my audience uh in the next little bit and if you're listening to this please Go check out Takesha's page and go check out her free workshop, Healing the Mother Wound. Um, and if you have any questions, uh, leave a comment and send send Takesha DM because I'm sure she'd love to uh, love to chat with you. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.